It's easy when you play with a bunch of rejects and the fat kid, Rodriguez. Shut your mouth, Phillips. What'd you say, crap face? I said you shouldn't even be allowed to touch a baseball. Except for Rodriguez, you're all an insult to the game. Come on. We'll take you on right here, right now. Right? Yeah, come on, guys. You play on a real diamond, Porter. You ain't good enough to lick the dirt off our cleats. Watch it, jerk. Shut up, idiot. Moron. Scab eater. Puss licker. Butt smeller. Fart smeller. You eat dog rack for breakfast, geek. You make your Wheaties with your mama's toe jam. You bob rappers in the toilet, and you lick it. You play ball like a girl. with a special guest star here on Playing Catch. It's not just Ben and Bruce today. Uh, if you noticed, there was a different voice on that last performance, and it came from... She's one of a kind, and her name is Ella, and uh, she's a sophomore currently in high school, and she's an actor, and so we asked her to do a little performance with us to start this podcast, and uh, we're very grateful for her. Say hi to everybody, Ella. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right, all right. So obviously, if you're not uh, familiar with that scene that we just did, uh, it's from the movie The Sandlot, uh, one of your classic baseball movies. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit today on Playing Catch to start off with, uh, have a little discussion about why this movie could be great or potentially maybe not even so great from the perspective of some people. So uh, let's get Ella's perspective first. What do you like about the Sandlot, because you, I know you're not a huge baseball fan to begin with. No, I am not a huge baseball fan as much as you guys, but I practically grew up watching the movie with you guys being so into baseball, and I don't know, I guess it just, like, has that type of storyline plus characters that just kind of draw you in and, like, get you laughing the whole way through, you know, and I know you were talking about this, Dad, about how like, back then, that's how summers were when you were growing up. Like, back in the 60s, all kids used to do was, like, go out, play outside, get into trouble, and do baseball. Evidently, do their own thing. And I kind of thought that was nice, along with, like, the friendship theme. So, what's your favorite... Who's your favorite character in the show? That would be a tough one, but it, I think it would be Squints. Why? Why do you like Squints? Because, I guess, maybe he's just a goofball. Like, he's, he thinks he knows everything, and that's kind of just what gets him to the aspect of being funny. You know, he's all like, I know stuff, and I know facts, and yet I'm cool because of that, and I know everything. So you think he's kind of funny because of it, or you like him because he knows all this, like, extra stuff? I think he's funny because of it, and because he gets made fun of because of it. Oh, okay, I see. So you think that Squints is kind of allowed to say... Uh, all this kind of know-it-all stuff because uh, he's kind of a, a squirt, to say the least. I, I don't know how else I would describe him in the movie. He's a really short kid with glasses, and, you know, like, I don't well, really he's know. he's like a kind of kid, like, when you look at him, he should have, like, he has no business having any confidence at all. Right. right. Like, he's like, he's got these big glasses, he's got these buck teeth, he's a, he's a pipsqueak. But somehow he's full of attitude, man. Like, nobody is going to talk, like, nobody's going to, he's going to take nothing from anybody, right? So he's, and yeah, he knows who he is, man. And he, and so uh, I think he's a great character. And uh, yeah, I mean, what's the, what's the scene at the pool 
with the girl. Wendy Peppercorn. With Wendy Peppercorn, right? Yeah, where he's classic. Yeah, he finds a way to get her attention, and you know, of course, we all know how that ends. Mm, so, yeah. uh, who would who would so like? I'm interested to hear who is your favorite character in the Sandlot, Dad. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I like Squints. Um, I, of course, I mean, I like the relationship between Benny and, what's the other kid? Smalls? Smalls, yeah, right. Scotty. So that's cool. Like, I like that the, 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 the big kind of kid takes care of the, the new kid on the block and makes him feel included. And I think that's a pretty cool thing. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty much, you know, interesting part of this, of the story that there's that relationship. Uh, so I mean that's really the heart of the story, right? Is the the relationship between those two guys? So, so we might already know the answer to this question, Ella. But was the scene we just did your favorite scene, or do you have another scene that is kind of like I watched the movie for this scene to kind of you know laugh or maybe even not laugh, just kind of see it to see it. I must say that is the scene that I most look forward to when I watch the movie. But, like, regardless, I think, like, the overall whole movie really, like, just makes me feel good and just makes me laugh all the whole way. So, yeah. So, so I mean, I, you know, it's funny. I, Ella said that this is a little bit of what I, what I experienced growing up. Of course, I didn't grow up in the 60s. I grew up in the 70s. But we played, uh, we played baseball every day. It was a pickup game. We had to figure out a way to get enough guys to play, just like... Uh, with uh, Sandlot, they never had two full teams until they played the one game against the Little Leaguers. Otherwise, you're putting four or five guys out there, you're calling fields, you're doing all kinds of stuff. And we literally had a dog uh, in a fence over left field, just like in the movie. And we went, <laughs> our hygienes were not quite that, but we often hit the ball over the fence and we had to figure out a way to distract this Doberman pincher that wanted to take a bite out of our hide. And we literally had an experience where the jump dog jumped the fence and chased us all over the neighborhood. So it literally is my life. That's all I'm going to say. Well, why didn't you just knock on the door? I'm sure they would have gotten it for well, you. Well, we used to do that, too. We did that. We did that. But they didn't like it when it happened, like, four times, four times in 20 minutes. By that fourth time, they were starting to get tired of getting the ball. So we quit asking them. Uh, but, yeah, we, we did ask, but usually, well, usually we asked. Mm-hmm. So what what were your like what was like your go to plan of attack if a ball were to go over that fence? So the, the go, so it was a, it was it wasn't a big wooded fence right it was a chain link fence but what we would do right is the dog we would get two or three guys and they would go right up to the fence right and they would try to get the dog's attention so the dog would just come to them and start barking and you know barking at them and then meanwhile somebody would jump in behind and go grab the ball, quickly throw it back in, and jump over the fence before the Doberman pincher turned around and got him. So that's how we got into trouble, though. So, like, we got to the point where the dog got so riled up um, when we were trying to distract him that he got, he, he literally jumped the fence. <laughs> no, we didn't, he didn't, it wasn't like a, like a Benny the Jet thing where they chased him through the whole neighborhood, but we scattered like nobody's business, man. And, uh, yeah, that was a pretty bad scene, actually. That only happened one time? Just the one time the dog jumped the fence. But it happened almost every time that somebody would hit the ball over the fence. So we got to the point where it was an out, right? So originally it was like, oh, yeah, we could finally hit it over that fence, and we thought we were great because we would get the home run over the fence. But it became to be such a problem that we actually made it an out to hit it over the fence. So people wouldn't, they'd be, you know, of course, uh, 
deterred from hitting it over the fence any longer. So that's how I learned how to hit the ball the opposite way. <laughs> there, you there you go. Remember, stay inside the ball. <laughs> let the ball travel to all of those uh, struggling with that right now. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I think I, we have to kind of address a slight elephant in the room. Um, we have two people here that are absolutely in love with this movie. Um, one has some some issues with it, apparently. And so um, me and Ella are curious to know what doesn't work about the Sandlot. Because on our minds, I mean, what doesn't work about the Sandlot? You know what I mean? Like, Is there just some sort of big elephant or reason or just like tiny little details that just make you not like it? <laughs> so, okay. I like the movie. Let's get clear about that. But I will say... It does annoy me a little bit, and it's because, I mean, you all have seen Stand By Me. It's absolutely kind of a ripoff of Stand By Me, and you know, and that's not necessarily why it's a problem. It's just it's not the 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 dialogue from the adults with Smalls as an adult as the writer. I think like he says stuff like over and over again in this movie, and it just bugs the crap out of me. It's like something like, and it was the something. Well, let's give me an example, you guys. And it was. The worst, uh, like it was the biggest this or the worst. It was it, this is it. it was the biggest pickle that any of us had ever gotten into, right? It was right, that, yeah, yeah. yeah the biggest yeah. pickle. But like they do that like three or four times in the movie, and so like it gets on my nerves. Roughly three, I think. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. According to Ella, there's three times <laughs> three he does times. that. So I guess you might have a slight point there. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, so, like, by comparison, right, like, the guy, the narration, is just can't top Richard Dreyfuss and Stand By Me. I just can't touch it. So, that's my only thing, is it feels like, eh, this is a little too close to Stand By Me. It's a great movie, and obviously, I've watched it a hundred times with you guys, so it's not like it's a big deal. It's definitely, like, it's, it's a little thing, but it's not my favorite baseball movie. The one thing I would say maybe in... Uh, disagreement with that statement that it's a ripoff of Stand By Me is when I think of a ripoff of Stand By Me, I don't go to the Sandlot. I go to something like the Goonies, you know, where it's like I understand where you're coming from. It's like kind of like middle of the summer, like kids come together to kind of solve a problem, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, I kind of get that, but I think like the Sandlot has... An incredible soundtrack. I think it. I think there are parts of the narration where it's like, like I. It, it kind of gives me chills. Like I do agree that there might be times where it's a little like, you know, uh, repetitive. But I just don't like. I've seen Stand by Me, and I just don't. Maybe it's just like this generational difference that we always talk about. But like I just don't get the chills or the goosebumps watching Stand by Me that I would watching the sandlot and that's just me and i'm obviously biased a little bit but like that's just i i I don't know how you're comparing the two um like that well you probably saw the sandlot before you saw stand by me uh um, well yes i saw stand by me though a, a fairly like almost 10 years ago i think now like it was a while ago like i remember vividly watching that movie well like so like seeing stand by me like 
in, as a kid, I mean, I was probably a high school, right? Well, okay, I guess, how, when did Stand By Me come out? Do you oh, know what I year I want to say out? it was like 80, early 80s. Okay. I'm pretty sure, 82, something like that. Okay. You can look it up. That makes sense then, but... So, and, yeah, so like I'm in high school or, you know, something like that. Yeah, okay. And that movie comes out and... Uh, it just kind of blows you away, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a phenomenal film, obviously. And I mean, if it came out when you're, you know, kind of at that age that they're talking about, like, I understand, like, a kind of, yeah. you know, a connection to that, I guess, right. in a way. Yeah. You know, you go and see it, and it's like, oh, that could have been me and my buddies, you know, yeah. or something like that. And so I guess that's more of what I'm saying is, like, I see my buddies in the sandlot not necessarily my buddies in stand by yeah, me you know that. so you might see more your buddies in stand by me that might just be i don't know but maybe, maybe. nonetheless yeah okay well cool well it's a good movie thank you ella for uh performing that was very well done I, I appreciated the accent in particular any last thoughts about the sandlot or uh the podcast in general Honestly, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think what you guys are doing is pretty cool, you know? Like, talking about the Sandlot, I thought that was, like, a really good talking point. When you when you start this, I'm all like, hmm, maybe their first episode should be about this. But it wasn't until, what, like, their four? four this, this is number five. Number, number five. five. Okay, so it took five episodes, so it's even. But nonetheless, I think the Sandlot is a great movie. More, like, rather than your discretion to it, Dad. <laughs> I don't know if there's a discretion. I think what I'm hearing is Ella would like to be on the podcast a little bit more, and she uh, had to wait five episodes in order to get an appearance. So may- maybe that's just what she's trying so to get we'll, out So we'll set it up so maybe the next time you guys can do a scene from School of Rock. How's that sound? School of Rock. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, well, we'd kill that one. Or Elf, maybe. Elf. We'll do that we got a whole time. repertoire. You guys will find out sooner mm. or later that, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll just make it a thing. You know, monologues with Ella. I think that should be a new thing but uh anyways thank you for your time we appreciate it um what do we got next what are we moving on to we're actually right, well, going to talk a little a little present day baseball i think yeah okay so i mean sandlot that whole thing was sort of a little bit of a you know way to introduce that we're in baseball season technically it's spring training but guys are strep putting on cleats they're putting on their batting gloves or taking cuts in the cage pitchers are and catchers are working out. It is spring training, man. Bats are flying into the stands already. <laughs> Josh Donaldson, I don't know if y'all saw it, first swing of the spring against Devin Smeltzer. There wasn't hardly anybody in the stands to witness it, but uh, there's always someone watching, and the first swing he took, uh, his bat slipped out of his hand and probably ended up 15 rows back uh, behind the third-base dugout. So... That's how Josh Donaldson started his spring. Uh, he did that a few season. times during the season, didn't he? Last year, he's his, got this I mean, thing about letting go of the bat. If like his swing is so vicious and violent sometimes, and because he has such an emphasis on making sure his launch angle is, you know, definitely more towards the fly ball kind of status, I think he tends to do that a lot and. Because, like, if he's coming with his shoulder dipping a little bit, there's that torque, and he flies open a little bit at the end because I think he finishes with one hand a lot. Yeah. I think I think that might be the r- real issue is he swings, he makes contact, and then finishes with just holding the bat in his left hand, I'm pretty sure. So I think that's probably where that sparks. But Yeah, you know, it's, fun, it's funny you mention that because, like, yeah, you're right. He's got that super violent sort of whipping swing. Um, 
probably is what helps contribute to some of his injuries, I hate to say, mm -hmm. like the way he sort of torques his body that way, versus like watching Nelson Cruz, who is just like this sort of just machine, right? Like he's completely under control, he swings really hard, but you can tell it's like it's, it's almost like pure power and muscle. It's not about the speed, it's about like him just generating his strength to a specific spot that meets the baseball and him just just like destroying it over the fence just, right? just absolutely unloading yeah, yeah just unloading exactly it's funny to watch so it's fun to watch those two guys hit especially one right after the other because they're it is true their swings are pretty different yeah if you think about it i mean considering the type of hitters they are you could probably consider them fairly similar uh, in a lot of ways but when it comes to the actual mechanics of their swings I don't know how different you could be, you know, like... Yeah, it's just, though, yeah, I, I think it's... I mean, the fact that Cruz just seems to be so under control the entire mm. time, and Donaldson is like, he's just throwing his body at the baseball. Yeah, big leg kick for Donaldson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cruz is, stays, does a really good job staying compact. Like you right. said, it's like, it's a powerful swing, but it's a very short and compact swing, so he's... That's why he's making contacts more often than I mean, some he's of the other big his, hitters he's, in our lives. His power is coming from his chest mm -hmm. and his shoulders and his arms, right? Whereas Donaldson is his lower half, maybe a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Is that fair to say? Like he's, yeah. like you said, with the leg kick, he's like trying to generate momentum through his legs, which is why I think he might become vulnerable to leg injuries because of it. And so I don't know. It's I'm not going to tell Josh Donaldson to change his swing, but. You don't want to? No, no. You don't want to tell the I guy don't, that? I'm not going to tell Josh Donaldson anything. I, I mean, <laughs> any guy that can pull off a mohawk mullet can can do whatever the hell he wants in my book. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's... Yeah. No, they would be, like, a great... You know what they would make? You know, that would be, like, a great, like, buddy cop duo. Mm, Nelly yeah, Cruz and Josh yeah, yeah, Donaldson. Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. see them making a movie, right? Like, Donaldson is the wild, out of control... Like, you know, like, and then Cruz is, like, the steady as she goes. Exactly. Unflappable, always yeah. keeps things under control, and they're always going back and forth. It's a little bit, yeah, it's kind of a... I th I'm trying to think of, like, what, like, a good, like, name for that would be, like... Well, you know, it's funny. There were these movies in the 80s called Lethal Weapon, and on some level, that would actually be kind of lethal, perfect. Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapons, because, man, they are. But uh, I don't know what else. Yeah, maybe for a, a baseball similarity, you know, right? Like, like Don, Donnie and Cruz or something <laughs> like that. Donnie and Cruz. You know? Like Turner like, and Hooch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe not. All right. Well, that's cool to see the guys out there. Uh, first spring training game, I think. Is it Sunday? I believe it's the 28th of February, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So that'd be Sunday. And uh, I saw today the Smeltzer is getting the start. So whatever that's worth, we know how it is, you know get your two innings in, and then they bring in the relievers. But mm -hmm. uh, Smeltzer getting the first start, and yeah, it'll be great to see guys swing the bat. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, already so a lot of action, some of it good and some of it not so good in terms of what's coming out of uh, Hammond Stadium mm -hmm. uh, this first week. So maybe we can talk a little bit about some of the things we're hearing, maybe starting off with, unfortunately, some bad news about the Twins, maybe one or two top one of the one of his top the top two prospects. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I mean, we've been talking about it. I feel like for the first three episodes about you know injuries and how it's gonna impact impact you know the, the opening day club. But in this case, it's impacting you know one of the guys that we were hoping to bring up uh, in the near future. Uh, Royce Lewis went down 
with a torn ACL. I heard it's because of the ice storms in Texas. I heard he slipped on some ice in Texas and uh, screwed his knee up. Um, yeah, so. so the story is that he was already feeling something, and he slipped on the ice, which could have been because he was his knee wasn't stable. Right. And maybe that just did the final trick to him. Uh, so yeah, he's out for the season. I mean, it's it's, it's just a done. It's done. And of course, considering that he didn't play any minor league baseball last year, uh, you know, it's a drag man that he's gonna basically have two. I mean, two lost years in terms of playing competitive mm-hmm. baseball. Fortunately, he's still only twenty one, so there's still a lot of baseball left in this kid. So hopefully, the 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 uh, rehab goes well, the surgery goes well, and that uh, we can count on seeing him next year. But boy, oh boy, it seems like the Twins are definitely cursed. When it comes to prospects and injuries, I mean, Kirilov, Sano, um, we can go on and on. I've got Buxton. Buxton, right? Like, just never being able to get out of the gate, always getting hurt. Um, some, for like long periods of time, like lost seasons. Um, so, like, you can only imagine, like, if these guys had stayed healthy, where we'd be as a club. But um, hopefully, he's going to be just fine. I mean, no, I don't think we were going to count on him to do anything for us this year. He wasn't likely to be making, he might have made a late season appearance, but. Uh, you know that's why we got Angelton Simmons. Uh, so hopefully that'll uh, he'll just get better. He can get healthy, and we'll see him next year. Yeah, uh, I do worry a little bit about you know him being a shortstop and his mobility. You know, coming back from the injury, we've seen you know m- even Minnesota athletes come back from ACL injuries and do uh, phenomenal things. Hopefully Royce Lewis is able to do the same thing. Um, but I do. We were talking about this a little bit. Um, with this potentially playing a part in, you know, him deciding to stick with the shortstop position or potentially, you know, moving towards a little bit more outfield. Um, I, you don't see the ACL injury in baseball very often. And so when it comes to, you know, making that rehab and trying to get back to the, the, the spot you were in to begin with, I, I feel like it's going to be a challenge and, uh, I wish him luck uh, in that long recovery program. I hope to see him soon on the field. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think this could, you know, push him towards the outfield potentially, uh, even though he is a young guy. Uh, and we did talk about that his glove was a question mark, and so he's not getting those reps this year that he was supposed to get. And that's a huge step back uh, for, for a guy like that that's trying to become a major league shortstop. Yeah, I mean, I, that's the way I see it. I mean, I, a lot of people talk about him not getting the swings and at bats, and that, of course, does hurt. But I think what he really needed was reps at shortstop and some real, you know, high-level instruction. You know, that's that's what kind of sucks, right? Like, he was going to, you know, possibly be in AAA, which means he would have been in St. Paul, which means that he could have gotten some consistent major league instruction as well, potentially, over the course of the season. So, yeah, so it's just a bummer all around. Um, but yeah, you know, what he, and I think you're right that it, it is true that we'll have to see whether he'll be able to come back and actually play shortstop at a high demand position. Um, so we'll see. Um, but not, at, for the time being, we're going to just hold out hope that he's going to be just fine. So, so anyway, there was some other news. This, you know, Rocco uh, has been talking to the media and providing some interesting tidbits of information that I think is useful. I mean, I think one of the things we heard, I know I heard from Derek Falvey in the offseason was making some reference to the club uh, really focusing on versatility. Um, and so, you know, I think we all think traditionally about, like, what's that number? We've, we, we've actually already had this conversation. What's that A lineup for the Twins? 
and uh, and, and that you know the fact that they rarely had that A lineup on the field, and it was mostly because of injuries last year and for the last two years, frankly. Um, so we talk about injuries. That's really the huge part of that is seeing that you're not getting your A players on the field. And what we're hearing, so I think, you know, there's some different other podcasts out there that are talking about, well, where are certain guys going to get their at-bats? Because they're talking about, you know, Kirilov maybe coming out of camp now or at least being in left field soon. So what does that mean for our eyes? Um, you know, uh, Rocco was talking about Sano getting time at third. Some time at third. They were talking about, of course, Polanco getting time at short. Arise obviously getting time uh, and, and second and third and maybe some short as well. And so, um, but and then you also got Kirilov. They're talking about it left and also at first base. So the whole, there's no question that they're sort of thinking about this in terms of the versatility of the players. Um, and, I mean, given what we know about injuries, they're inevitable. You know, I, I'm not really worried about Luis Arez. I think he's going he's gonna to get plenty of at-bats. Uh, even if he's not considered the starter at any of those nine positions. Yeah, I think, I mean, Arise is a hitter before anything else, so I don't think you should be completely worried that he's not going to get his at-bats. I think he's going to get his at-bats regardless. I think where he plays in the field is definitely going to be more of a question mark now, but, I mean, he's proven that he can be that super utility guy that Marvin Gonzalez was last year, and I think... He would be an upgrade if we're being completely honest. You know, I, I don't think we talked about we didn't expect Marvin Gonzalez to play that much um, at, or as much as he did uh, in the past. And I do think that his numbers uh, were hit uh, and negatively because he was playing so much and he wasn't getting that time off. And so I think with a rise being able to be that super utility guy, it'll allow the Twins to mix and match and make sure guys, you know, aren't playing every day and are able to maintain their health and, you know, and I'm still, like, we're still confident that this lineup, regardless of who's in it, is still going to be able to produce. So I think with Rocco saying, yeah, we might have Polanco short, we might have this there, this there, he's just using what he has, which is a whole lot of flexibility with his roster at the moment. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I think I, I totally agree. So it's not about, like, having depth to protect against injury. It's about using their depth, depth to hopefully prevent injury, right? I mean, let's, not, let's be clear. Donaldson, Cruz are not spring tr- chickens, right? Uh, we know the history of injury. Even Max Kepler last year was hurt for a significant part of the year. We know Polanco was hurting for a significant part of the year. So, I mean, if you can think about the fact that you can have a day and there's going to be a Sunday afternoon game where you got Sano at third, Kirilov at first, Polanco at short, uh, Arise at second, and Kirilov, and then Kir- maybe even Brett Rooker in left field, okay? Like, are we, like, thinking, oh, that's a giveaway game? Hell no. Like, that's a, that's a, that's could be a solid, highly productive uh, lineup. I mean, Jorge Polanco is no Angel Simmons, but he's a starting major league shortstop. He did it for two years. So I, I just think that the, the idea is that I think we're going to see a, a sort of a um, you know revolving door of different players starting every game. You know Buxton's going to get his blow. You know they're going to have Cruz. You know he's going to set a, a game or two a week. You know Donaldson's going to set a game or two a week. I mean I just think it's just we just need to accept that to be the case. And then on those off days. Hopefully they're healthy, and you got Josh Donaldson sitting out there for an eighth inning, you know, big clutch, right. clutch, uh, pinch hit, like you know. So, so I think that's the key is to show that hopefully they stay healthy by by giving guys 
more rest and allowing them not to be having to play every day. Now, who knows? I mean, Donaldson blew out his 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 uh, calf in like the four, first week of the season, so you know that had nothing to do with rest. But um, so of course you have to have that depth because injuries are still going to happen as well. Yeah, I think it's interesting the point you made um, with injuries having been such an issue in the past and like having that scope of oh we need to have more depth because we're gonna get injured like that mindset to kind of flip it a little bit to where it's like we're gonna use our depth to combat any future injuries I don't think you see um, that from a lot of teams in the league necessarily and like you said with our bench like if Kirilov's starting in left, like, that's totally fine. If that means Arise comes off the bench and hasn't at bat in the eighth inning, I would love that because it's a high-quality uh, hitter, you know, in a high-pressure situation. And I know he's most likely going to put the bat on ball, and same goes for Simmons. And so if you are able to have, you know, your big boppers come off the bench but also have these other guys come off the bench that are still just as productive, just in a different way, you're going to have tons of flexibility there, and I think it's pretty obvious that Rocco's really excited about this roster. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I'd be, put it this way, I'd be surprised if anybody has more than, I mean, in the infield, any more than maybe 130 starts at their position. Um, any more than that, which means that guys will get rest days, and they'll also be playing other places. So I expect Sano to be DHing, I expect Donaldson to be DHing occasionally. Um, uh, a rise might even get a DH, you know, a couple of games. I mean, we haven't even kind of talked about uh, the catching situation, too. Right. Like, we got both Garver and Jeffers, like, both, you know, quality catchers, you know, both behind the plate defensively and uh, offensively. Like, the same goes for them. Like, they might just switch off almost every day. And, like, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a whole lot of drop-off um, like there has been in the past with guys like, Suzuki and Jason Castro and of that nature I think it's going to be very consistent uh, for the most part yeah I mean that's the thing we got two guys great pitch framers good defensive catchers and above average bats um, I mean assuming that Garber comes back and, and and gets closer to his 2019 form so we talk about like it, it, you're, you might be right that except for maybe center field you know the twins might have the best catching position in the league, not because they have the, the best catcher, but they have the best combination of catchers. Mm-hmm. Like they have two guys where I don't, I, I, you know, you could say that they're almost like you could swap them and you don't miss a beat on either of them. Um, and in fact, I would say that some guys, I, I imagine. Here's what I expect: I expect there to be sort of a matchup, right? That that uh, Jeffers will catch maybe, you know, two of the two of the starters, and Garver will consistently catch two of the starters and maybe they'll rotate that fifth so that they'll get really they'll know those guys they'll know those guys well they can focus on helping them be successful uh so i you know who knows we'll see but yeah there's definitely get prepared for every day a different lineup i i I just really think that's going to be the case that you're going to if we're going to play 162 game season uh especially given the guys didn't play a full season last year we have to keep them all healthy and so that's what I think is going to happen, um, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I, I I think that's that's the way to go. I mean, the Dodgers have done it successfully. Um, 
And I think that's the way of the league, right? Like you, position versatility is a highly valuable asset in Major League Baseball. Definitely. I, we talk, We threw out uh, – you mentioned the Dodgers. We, uh, he doesn't play for them anymore, but when he did play for them, Kike Hernandez was basically Luis Arise uh, for them. He played everywhere. He was a solid hitter and just provided that extra level of depth, uh, extra level of depth for the Dodgers that I think Arise could provide for the Twins similarly. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I mean, they had – uh, Bellinger could play first, and he played the outfield. And Muncie was playing second base and first base. And Michael Taylor is playing shortstop and center Chris field. Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor. Chris, Chris Taylor. Taylor. Excuse me. Michael Taylor was with the Nationals. Yeah. Chris Taylor playing center field and shortstop. Um, you know. So yeah, there's just a tons of versatility in that lineup, and I think that helped them. I mean, that's part of what's allowed them to be successful. And also with guys like Hernandez sitting in the dugout, you're right, ready to step in. Um, so, yeah, so let, let's see. I mean, I, I think that actually is what makes the Twins a, a, a better is – the, is the edge over the White Sox is the versatility of that lineup. Um, the Sox don't even have an everyday DH. So, I mean must, – must, must be tough. Hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what that's like, or at least I haven't for yeah. a couple of years. So Yeah, well – they did, they, last year they had their guy who he didn't Encarnacion. Oh yeah, that's right. Can you say it? Do you I did. Get, I said uh, it. No, I say his, it. So what's, what's what's his first name? Edwin. Okay. Encarnacion. Dang, that's uh, crazy. I went three years without being able to say that. Yeah, that's right. It's, uh, it's well because it seemed like every time he would step up to the plate, it would be like, oh, I feel like this guy's gonna go yard. Yeah, he's one of those guys. One of those twins killers, oh, you know. Those former Blue Jays. At least we got one of them on our team now. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Go on. Going forward. Anyway, so we'll be looking forward to So next time we get together, we'll be able to see, uh, talk about actually real baseball and what we're seeing on the field. So that's going to be super fun, super exciting. Uh, and hopefully we'll get to watch some of those games um, uh, here. So we'll see. Yeah. So otherwise, yeah, I don't know what else, man. I mean, it's like we're a little bit of a dry spell here before games get started. So there's not a ton to talk about. Mm. Um, I mean, the game, you know, in terms of the game, broadly speaking, we got news what like a week and a half or so ago that they are changing the baseballs. Is that They're right? De-juicing is the, is that the term? Yeah, that's what I think I heard. Which is funny because they never said that the balls were juiced in the first place. Right. So, so that's an admission of guilt. If I'm being yeah. Honest. So if there was no, how do you? It's, it's like getting what do they say? Getting blood from a stone or from a turnip? Like, well, how do you get juice from a baseball that had no juice? Exactly. But, uh, you exactly. know, I don't know. They, they've actually figured that out somehow. So they're deadening the baseballs, bottom line. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see what that does to the game. Um, I think, I personally think it's a good thing uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, in particular, I think it'll probably uh, put more balls in play eventually um, because there's going to be some guys that are going to realize that it's not worth it to swing for the fences. I mean, I, think it's, I don't think it's going to affect the Nelson Cruz's of the world or the Josh Donaldson's of the world. I do think it's going to affect the Jorge Polanco's mm-hmm. of the world, uh, who you know. What maybe, do you have? maybe even the Max Kepler's of the world. Yeah, you yeah, know, I think you're right. I think Max Kepler. I think he's capable of adjusting his game uh, to a situation where maybe he doesn't hit as many bombs, and I'm okay with that. You know, and so. I mean, if he's going to be leading off. Right. 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 Like, right. So I mean, yeah, if he can kind of do a Justin Morneau thing and learn how to hit that ball the other way into the gap and. Um, and yeah, I mean he's got he's got an amazing swing, he's, he's got a right approach, and so maybe we'll it'll be interesting. To, so this will be interesting in the spring training to see 
what guys are doing, if they're doing some of that, trying to be a little, cut down their swings a little bit, mm-hmm. maybe at least at least late, later in the counts and trying to put the ball in play. I think it's a good thing to see more action on the field. I think it, our team it will play well in that situation. We've talked already about Simmons being a contact hitter. I love the idea. I mean, although apparently Byron Buxton has shown up uh, to um, – to camp and he looks like Captain America. Yeah, what is he? Two twelve. Yeah, he, he was two hundred or two. He was like two hundred, two hundred five last spring, and they think he showed up like two twelve, two thirteen. Yeah, so maybe him and Nelson Cruz should have like a a, a like a bench pressing contest. You see. really, you really think that's going to be a contest? <laughs> I don't know. Like, if, he, if he's supposed to be so dang strong, that's I mean, like saying, okay, let's uh, do a bench press contest and then we'll do a race right afterwards and then we'll decide who's better. It's okay, like <laughs> okay, well maybe you're right about that. But. <laughs> I mean, but so anyway, but I was what I was gonna say is that you know, yeah, I mean, Buxton of course has got a swing, he's got power, and it looks like he's gonna be mm-hmm. strong. But mm-hmm. even he, like, I mean, I think we've all talked about how he would be okay if he kept the ball on the ground, and uh, and this will be another reason maybe to do mm-hmm. that. Um, not so much be thinking about the long ball and more about hitting gaps, putting the ball on the. Gr- I mean, who knows? I could be completely wrong about this, but I'm hoping that it's gonna diversify the way the game's played and we the way guys approach the plate, which I also think could then have an impact on things like shifting, right? So if you're cutting down your swing, you're learning to hit go the other way, you're able to think about it, you know, who knows? I could be wrong about that, but, I mean, I think that I'm, I'm hoping that this will shift things a little bit towards back to where we all are sort of know the game, um, but who knows? Well, only time will tell. Yeah, I think I was a little, like... Like, when I heard the first reports a while back about the balls being juiced or different, and I was, I think, a little, like, ah, I think people are a little overreacting a little bit. And then the Bomba squad kind of happened, and I was like, hmm. You know? Like, I was super pumped, but I can't help but think now that maybe since they're de-juicing the balls that that played a significant role in the Bomba squad breaking the record for home runs. You know, it's just like... It was. It wasn't disappointing. It was just like uh, it kind of took the air out of it for a little bit, where it's like it doesn't seem like it was you know as big of an accomplishment as it was because you know the balls were not the way the way they were supposed to be or whatever you know. Well, okay, of course, the league still has not admitted that the balls were juiced, but I mean, I think if you're de- if you're dejuicing the balls, then you're admitting that they juiced. Yeah. The balls okay. Before. Well, yes, you're right, but. Um, I agree with that, um, but you know, on the other hand, the Twins have the record, and uh, that's in the it's etched, etched into the record books. And apparently, if that's what the balls are not what they were, then that's probably gonna that record's gonna probably hang gonna around a little bit, hang yeah. around for a little while, which yeah. I'm okay with having the Twins at the top of some record. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, I yeah, I, I like I said, I, I'm okay with this. I you know, I I actually. As much as I loved watching the Twins hit home runs in 2019, I also felt like I was watching a video game. And, you know, and there's baseball is a beautiful game because there's so many other things that can happen. And to not have, you know, to have so many strikeouts and so many home runs, to me, just takes away from what I think makes the game great. Um, seeing guys running and chasing balls on beautiful grass field as opposed to just turning and looking and watching the ball leave a ballpark. I mean, that sort of... It's, it's not the way I, I like watching baseball. I'm old-timer, I admit it, but that's just so I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit of a different game this year. All right. Well, I don't know if we have a whole lot more after that one, but 
So like we're gonna do like uh, coming up, we're gonna maybe do a couple. Uh, we're hoping to do a couple podcasts that might focus a little bit on like maybe movies and baseball movies. Mm-hmm. And what you know, we talked a little bit of that tonight with Sandlot. We've got some friends who are baseball fans slash movie buffs. We might have on board. Basically, we should specify Dodger fans. Dodger fans. Dodger fans. Very specifically, Dodger fans. So we're gonna let them sit around and gloat. Uh, for a half we'll an give hour. we'll give them five minutes to five say minutes their to piece gloat. to say their piece and then then I don't want to hear it. Uh, and then uh, that's you it. know I'm okay with them being excited. I mean <laughs> you know they do have the band. They have that's true. It's true. Band. No yeah well the, yeah Trevor will make an appearance next week at some point or it might not be next week. It might be uh, in the near future. But yeah, yeah. that'll be it's uh, interesting conversation to have with those guys. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, so I'm going to promise to watch Uncut Gems this week. That's my promise yeah, to you. Yeah, st- you still haven't done that. Yeah. It's been, I think I've asked him to do it three weeks in a row. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, I was watching, this was like the anniversary this week of uh, of Happy Gilmore. Did you see those week? videos? That you so uh, lots of video footage of Happy Gilmore of Bob Barker kicking... Uh, Adam Sandler's ass, and uh, that's pretty hilarious stuff. A hilarious, that's a hilarious, it is a hilarious movie. Uh, um, so yeah, so it's, yeah, maybe that's in honor of Happy Gilmore. I'll watch mm-hmm. the complete polar opposite movie to that, Uncut Gems. We'll talk about that next week. I mean, it'll ju- if if anything, it'll just show you the range that Adam Sandler has as an actor, and it'll I, it gave me just more respect for him as an actor. He wasn't. The grown-ups Adam Sandler that I had grown up seeing, he he had matured into something more, you know, more substantial. You know, basically, basically Kevin Garnett's fortune teller, you know, or whatever. Apparently, so I definitely watch it, and maybe we can have that be a a conversation. uh, Yeah, well, and use that as a proxy uh, for, of course, the Timberwolves, who uh, continue to be a complete mess. Uh, so yeah, we can talk about glory, the glory days of Kevin Garnett. Maybe as yeah, part of that, we're gonna need a whole different podcast to talk about the Timberwolves. I feel like yeah, that's I, a different conversation. Yeah, to be had. That is like something else, man. I don't. What is going on at Target Center? Uh, I just don't know. But nothing is going on. But that's the problem. I think <laughs> that's the problem. So anyway, yep. Uh, go for hoops. Hopefully, they're gonna squeeze into the basketball tournament here. I'm a little bit worried about it. We talked about them last week tanking. And that continues to happen. But tonight they've got... they got Northwestern. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Another one of those. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, they should be able to win, but yeah. who knows? Maybe not. Uh, anyway, so there's some stuff going on in sports, but I think we're all just sort of, you know, checking the calendar, waiting for baseball season. Exactly. The clock is ticking. That's right. We're only a little bit over a month, about five weeks away. So it's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... Until next time, uh, thanks for playing Catch With Us this week, guys, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye.